welcome back to this. This is the second episode of the QW podcast, and a special guest, Matt Deegan, here with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, do you want to introduce yourself a little yeah, bit? Yeah, so uh, I will echo that. My name is Matt Deegan. Uh, originally from Southern California, I would say East County, San Diego, I would call home. Family moved to Idaho, oh gosh, 15 years ago or so, and uh, this is where we call home now. For a career, I'm a civil engineer, and I consider myself an urban roadway designer. And now I mostly just manage people, but basic engineering nerd. How'd you get into that? Uh, <laughs> nothing. I'm not a cool story by any means. <laughs> I, in what was it, high school, filled out one of those, this is what you'd be good at. And it was like forester or civil engineer, and one made twice as much as the other. And I said, <laughs> cool. Those are not related. <laughs> not at all. No. Forestry would be cool. Though. No, I'm pretty simple with that. It's like, I should just do that. That's what I went and did. That's easy. Yeah. Answered all your questions for you. So I know Matt and I, well, we coached against each other without really knowing each other, I think, for a couple of years. Yes. And then we coached a 13U club team together last summer. That was the first time we coached together, right? Yes. I Well, I would say yes, officially. I think we might have helped out together on the all-summer team the year before when they were 12. Okay. I don't know if I ever actually helped out with that. Shoot. Yes, when we were thirteen, or when the boys were thirteen. Okay. So yeah, that was that was a pretty cool time. We got that team took home state, and we got to go to Washington for regionals. That one of the more more fun, funner, more fun teams I've been a part of. I would agree. Yeah, that was awesome. Pretty cool group. And then I took a fall team, and Matt was my assistant. Yes. And then this time around, I couldn't return the favor for him. He's the head coach now of the new seventh and eighth grade team, and. I couldn't be the assistant for him. The I cried for two days, and now I'm all over it. You cried barely longer than me. It was like day, day and a half, something like that. The offer still stands. I believe I am coachless at this point. You have no assistance? Not that I know of. That's not good. Evan. <laughs> Evan will help you out. I would take it. That would be pretty fun. So uh, when you started out coaching, uh, what were some things that you found you had qualities that made you a good coach? I think, well, I guess for, and I can only speak to baseball and softball, that's basically just been a huge part of my life. I've spent every summer on a diamond since probably I was six, never missing it, playing, you know, through the youth and into the adult leagues. And then when my kids were old enough to play, I knew I was going to put them in that sport just because I loved it so much and did that and played some adult ball. But then it just got to where I was pulling too many hamstrings and, and they needed more time. So... Basically, I knew I would be involved. Just growing up as well, too, that's what my parents did. Like, we were always at the Little League, and it just that's just kind of what came natural, just me being, you know, involved at, at some level. So did you, did you start with softball or baseball? I started with softball. Well, uh, t-ball. So my daughter was on t-ball, and at our local youth league, we put the boys and girls together. And I signed up just to help because I didn't know my commitment with work. If I could, you know, run a team, and honestly, I didn't know. I thought maybe in my mind, I was like, man, maybe they've got like 50 guys here that played, you know, college and professional baseball that wanted to coach. So I just took on a, an assistant role, and I did that for her first two years, one year of t-ball, and then one year of what we call machine pitch. It's basically like an eight-under softball. Okay. And then I stuck with softball mostly with my daughter, uh, partially because I really liked it, and we kind of kept the same group of girls. But also, I always kind of felt they had better qualified coaches for the boys. So I felt far more comfortable just letting my son go and be coached by someone else. 
makes sense. That's a lot like my experience. Like the first time I decided I wanted to coach, I was like, oh, it's going to be all these adults that know stuff about baseball. And yeah, you find out real... those ended up being true. <laughs> you find out real quick that that it's not like that. Yeah. So I know in, I'm from St. Louis, and playing you just kind of played baseball. That's just the way it was because kind of a baseball town in San Diego that way where it's like you're from San Diego so that's just what you do in the summer yeah I mean that's the only sport we knew I mean I'm obviously a generation older than you but it's like it was baseball there weren't yeah. basketball wasn't popular soccer wasn't popular you know you had the families where the dad surfed so the kids surfed and they did you know those extreme activities but basically everyone I knew it was baseball like certain sports that are huge in Idaho like soccer's big here but like track I didn't know anyone that ran track where yeah, that, like track was their sport. So, yeah, everyone, basically baseball was the sport. Yeah, that's how it was uh, before we moved here at my high school. It was like the baseball players were at the top of the food chain. And then, yeah, like you were saying, I think we knew, like, one of the track kids was pretty popular. It was like, he was unbelievable. He had to break all these state records and stuff just to be popular at school. <laughs> but, um, yeah, very, very different here, I guess. I guess it's one yeah. of just those regional things that's probably a lot to do with the weather you know san diego we like indoor practice or indoor facilities it's like they don't exist but i'm sure they do now mostly just for the hitting aspect but you don't need that yeah well the game's changed a little bit too because this is like the first era where people actually play year-round i would agree yeah Yeah, it's it's the the way kids are dedicated to a single sport now from a very young age is completely different yeah and it was well, it's been a long time for me, but 30 years, 30 plus years. But So um, what were some things when you started that you felt like you needed to work on as a coach or like some things that you've seen other coaches that you don't think are beneficial? The What I needed to work on, I think like anything you need to, it was a work plan, like the cliche, plan your work and work your plan. You know, it's you can't do everything yourself as a coach. There are always things you can do to get other parents out there that aren't. Maybe they're not 100% comfortable coaching, but you can have them hitting tennis balls in the air for your youth ones and having them catch those or anything you can do to where you can spend that individual time with the kids because that, at the young age, they really need that too. You can't, the old practices of coach standing on the mound and throwing BP for two hours is not a complete waste of time, but not far from it either. So I, I what I learned pretty quick is, you know, you can accomplish a lot in an hour and 15 minutes if you have a good plan and keep them going versus showing up and two hours of no plan. So yeah. I'd just say mostly the planning aspect of it. I think I had a very good handle, especially at that age, of how to teach the fundamentals of you know catching, hitting, and how the game works. Because it's a fairly complicated game. It's a simple game, but it's a complicated game. Mm-hmm. And teaching a six-year-old, you know, even just the concept of force out versus what isn't a force out, is it can be difficult. It's, I also think being able to how to break down a, I guess techniques was something too. It's like when you teach ground balls, you don't teach every single aspect of it. You work on, you know, basically you crawl before you walk and teach, you know, hand footwork, then hands, then bringing it up and then throw. That was the hardest part for me, I think, was like I went from playing on showcase teams and everything and then suddenly I'm trying to coach nine or ten year olds. And it was a lot of yeah, walk or uh, running before you walk. <laughs> it's kind of the, the other way around. And I, that I see other coaches struggle with that. People that I know were very good baseball players, and they're out there trying to teach you know how you turn a double play. And it's like no offense, but these 
kids, they, they can't even throw the ball yet. Yeah. Yeah, especially, yeah, 50 feet is a long way when you're 9 or 10 years old. I would agree. Well, not 10. You should be able to throw the ball 50 feet when you're 10. <laughs> yeah, maybe for, yeah, if you're just playing catch, I agree. So, what do you get out of coaching? Like, what are some of the reward factors you feel like kind of come out of the back end? I think there's definitely a sense of pride watching watching youth athletes grow when you, you know, you teach them something. And I remember this, not something that I saw, but I remember when I was young and just started coaching, I was coaching with two guys that were quite a bit older than me, and they were talking about, you know, working so much on, on cutoffs and watching, I think it was a minors team in Little League, which is, those are what, typically eight, nine, ten-year-olds executing one correctly and throwing a kid out at third, and they're just like, yes, I taught them that. I mean, just that sense of growth. We had a, a, a young woman on our club team this last weekend who hit her first two home runs, so let off one of the games with a bomb and then came back two games later and hit another one, and I've seen her, you know, for three years, and just watching the growth with that is, uh, it's, I enjoy that, watching people get better, just watching them, them grow as, as people. Yeah, that's pretty cool. The first couple of home runs are big. I never even hit one, actually. I was never, like, strong enough to try. So, you know, moving runners over an well, oppo line drive. That feels only 200 foot, too. So, <laughs> well, it's, it's softball. Well, it is. Baseball is completely different. Well, not completely different. They're, I think they're far more similar than people think they are. But that's one of the things with baseball. It's like we had so many 12-year-olds that never got that home run at 200, but we're so close. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, they're on a 310-foot field. And they're, you know, another three years away from having anywhere near the strength. The majority of them. I mean, obviously, there's always that one outlier kid that can hit a ball that far. But Yeah. Well, softball pitchers are way harder to, like, track than a baseball pitcher, too. Yes and no. I think it's one of those that if, you, if you're around it, it's not difficult. But if you just stepped into that world right away, like, I, I would consider you a good defensive catcher. And you could probably jump in tomorrow and catch a 90-mile-per-hour fastball, no problem. But in my opinion, I think you could. I, I've seen you play. I think if you took a underhand pitcher throwing 60, you would be not scared, oh, but I it would, would take your focus. No, you can say scared. It's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just different. But yeah. if you're used to it, then it's normal, if yeah. that makes sense. Just the riser being a pitch at all would be way more than enough to the, throw me off. <laughs> I've seen some young ladies, young women with rise balls that uh, they scare the head. I, there's no way I can catch them. No way. Yeah. Even... And, even in my prime, there's no way I could have. I'm staying away from that. Yeah. Because I know, like you were saying, Chris used to catch your daughter. Or the, the he, other uh, he caught a, uh, yeah. a, who is now pitching Division One, And he was very, I mean, I did not believe he'd be so honest because he's a typical cocky high school kid. And he said she was way tougher to catch than a varsity pitcher there of the boys. And there were guys down there with, you know, probably pushing that 90, pop, 90 mile per hour mark. Yeah. Yeah. Kids now throw hard. Everyone throws hard now. That's it's yeah, crazy. The, that's a completely different discussion about how the game has changed so much in like the last twenty years at the professional level. Yeah. With you know, I can remember relievers where it was like you could eighty-eight mile an hour relievers. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing anymore. They won't even look at you if oh you're not gosh. ninety ninety-five. Not without some crazy sinker that's almost yeah. like a an off-speed pitch. Even now, the changeups are harder than <laughs> yeah than eighty-eight. Well, Granky has a changeup that's harder than his fastball. <laughs> the well and. A changeup has changed too. Yeah. You know, basically, now if it doesn't, if you're not curving it with either like a curve or a slider or a fastball, it's a changeup. When I think in the past, they might have called them other pitches. 
Yeah. Well, people are throwing them more often now to same side hitters, so right-handed pitchers are more willing to throw change-ups to right-handed hitters. Than yeah. To. Yeah, I'm old school of like change-ups always low and away if you can. Yeah. Try to get them out in front. And yeah. now, with so much movement, yeah, there's no reason they, can, they don't locate inside. Yeah, so I really don't think that it's the hitter's fault that strikeouts are up. I think you have no choice but to guess, because there's no way you can adjust from a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, 95-slider, 90-changeup. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of reasons the strikeout's up. I think one is approach, that they're teaching hit the ball hard and elevate, which then leads to lower contact. But also, you're facing, I think you face more pitchers in a game. And I don't know what it would be if it's .3 on average, if you've looked at it over the lifetime. But the days of facing the starting pitcher three times are basically gone. Yeah. And now, and the skill set of relievers is just so much better than it was, you know, probably even just 10 years ago. Yeah, because there used to be a reliever that comes in and he's either going to throw one or two pitches and that's it. Yeah. Yeah, relievers, there's the reliever, the whole pitch to contact, that's not a real thing anymore. Yeah. For 95% of the pitchers. Yeah, I don't know which one came first, if it was the we're not going to pitch to contact anymore or if we're not going to hit for contact anymore. I think it's a little of both. I think the metrics show that, you know, strikeouts don't give an opportunity. Balls in play give an opportunity for a hit. If you strike someone out, runners can't advance and, and you can't make an error or you can't, you know, get a CNI base hit. That's what drives me crazy. I'm watching guys hit now, and it's like runner on third, less than two outs, and they're still swinging for the fences. It's well, like, you it's, know, anything you do should score that guy. I mean, I don't know what the major league average is for getting runners in from third, though, with less than two. I think it's, I'm, I want to say in the 30 to 40% range. But I even just watch guys trying to lay down bunts. I mean, a successful bunt, it's like a 50-50 proposition anymore. That's yeah. not a sacrifice. No, people are so bad at bunting. Which, it's probably... Some of that, but it's also, I think, you know, balls move a lot more than they used to. They definitely move, but um, I was talking to my little brother about a certain program that I'm not going to mention and the way that they teach bunting, and it's like you literally can't get a bunt down this way. So I think at some point it got lost with coaches like my age or just a little bit older. Like, don't, maybe they weren't bunting a lot in games. They don't know how to actually do it, and it's just a lost art completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, but part of the problem of that, I preached early on to my youth teams: let's hit the ball. We're not going to bump. We're not going to move runners over. And we didn't hardly bump that much because, especially at the at the rec league level, you've only got so many hours with them. You can't practice five days a week. Yeah. I guess you can, but most people don't. And you know, I didn't even really teach bunt until oh, that 11, 12 year old year. And at that point, I'm like, shoot, you know, I, I've done these kids a disservice not teaching them how to bump because really at, at 14, where the, the boys are now, or like my son's age group, a bunch should just be like, bunt, okay, there should be no, it should be super easy. Yeah. And I think a lot of that's the, like, you don't see, I don't think kids like play pepper anymore for the most part. No. That, that's no, that's a whole anything. other discussion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they play video games and they do stuff at home versus when you didn't have a lot of stuff to do, you went outside and played with your neighbors and... You can only throw the ball so long. You, you know, your yeah. arm gets tired, so then you have to hit. And yeah. Pepper's an easy game to do. It was mind-blowing when we were on that, coaching that summer team, and we had to teach the kids how to play hot box or pickle or whatever you want to call it. Like, how have you not played that? 
what are you eight? It's, it's a rundown. <laughs> I, I stole that joke. I, I believe that's uh, like somewhere on the internet. It's so. a rundown in a game. It's, yeah. it's pickle if it's that's like, true. The yeah. kids are I, 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 I laugh so hard. I don't do that. People, what, what are you? You're not. You're, you're not seven. It's a rundown. <laughs> it is cool now, like in the next year or two, to see all the kids that really have been coaching since we moved here, and they're going to start playing high school baseball now. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see. No, that, that, that group in particular, I think the one you're talking about, is, it was extremely rewarding because at the onset of that team, if you would ask me how many kids have, on this group have any shot of playing in high school, I would say two. Yeah, I remember we, we talked about that. We said like two to four or something like that, and now it's like... And now I would say it's... I, I, I'm not going to say the number, but it's significantly higher than that. And I think the ones that don't, it's not going to be from lack of skill. I think it's going to be kids like in other sports or as, you know, as youth athletes get older just their passions change because at this age really you have to be really committed to a sport mm-hmm. even in, even in small idaho and for baseball if you're not training year-round it that the athlete that can just do it in season is very rare anymore yeah well that's true but it's also true that kids here take like little mini trips that will miss four days or whatever to go camping or you know like little weekend trips we're in St. Louis. You've got nowhere to go. <laughs> You're playing baseball. Not doubting that. It's yeah. I don't know if that's an Idaho thing or that's just a a, a thing now. Just with generation of parents are more like we got to do more stuff. That's probably true. Yeah, but like my like my generation, you don't miss practice. Like, yeah, I can't remember the last time I canceled practice for any one of my kids. And even if it was like oh, you know, you're scheduled over. I don't know. I don't want to say the Super Bowl, but I remember we had one of the indoor facilities rented for, I want to say it was New Year's Eve, and we had half our parents were like, oh, no way. And the other coach was like, eh, what else are we going to do? Sit at home? Let's do it. Yeah, That's kind of how I am. Yeah. Yeah. What else Yeah. What else do you have to do? Yeah. There's a lot worse places to be than throwing around baseball or softball. True. That was, that was what I was telling the kids when we had all the COVID practices, where it's like kids have to practice outdoor in a mask, which was kind of ridiculous in itself, but it was like, at least we're out here playing baseball, like so many kids are just stuck inside right now, just come out here and enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, COVID was, COVID was tough on them. Yeah. Especially at the local league level, I think, looking back, they're going to really see how it, it affected the youth rec, rec sports, or, or I guess all of them, because it shut down basically everything for a year. Even the all-star team that, I thought it was a 12U all-star team I was coaching with uh, Dan Newton but that was when COVID hit and kids were like straight up dropping out and then it was like okay we're going back to St. Louis to see grandparents we got a quarantine for two weeks and it was like we kind of dropped out too no, it was, which is terrible to do but. yeah it was that was a tough time because I was on the board and we had so many meetings about how can we get this going and and not owning your facilities and working through a municipal or a city you know obviously they have requirements they need to make too and, yeah. and what their basically what their legal staff was comfortable with doing and so when you were saying that um, not a lot of people don't understand the impact that it's going to have on rec sports can you explain so this is this is this is the Matt Deegan theory and I don't know if there's going to be any truth to this but I know at our league our numbers went down significantly but we lost what I would consider the better athletes to the club sports. So softball, I know softball and baseball pretty well for the youth. Club softball's been a staple in that sport for, I mean, my sister played, so that was 35 years ago. 
or so, I'm 46, so geez, longer than that. Four, well, say 35 years. But I mean, there was the rec club softball was significantly bigger than rec softball forever ago. Baseball, there were always, even in my youth, there were club teams, but there were very few. San Diego only had one that I remember, the San Diego Stars, and that was just a team that got together and went and played like a national type tournament. But like, there, even the stud baseball players were at the Little League and then the Pony and then the high school and then either went through the high school or went, you know, other rec type leagues. There was very little club-based um, sports. Now, as clubs started to take off, I would say our league was, baseball-wise, was competitive within the state from the 12U level down. The club, the COVID year, a lot of those parents were like, shoot, you know, our kids can't play. Well, there's this club team and they're allowed to play and they're still gonna go. We're gonna put our kid on this team. And I don't know if they thought, you know, we're just gonna do this and then come back or whatnot. But I think there's advantages and disadvantages to club versus rec. I think what people saw in the COVID year was as those kids are getting a little older, there's a lot more advantages to club. Yeah, there is. The I think the burnout is definitely real and something to consider. Oh, absolutely. So I feel bad for these kids that are starting. Like, I love baseball more than anything in the whole world. And I did, basically was training year-round and playing three seasons a year, spring, summer, fall. And I got burnt out at, you know, 15 or 16 or whatever. And yeah, these it's... kids are starting, like, two or three years younger than I did playing club. Oh, it's, uh, and... I would say, I don't know when baseball starts, honestly, I can just speak softball. It's like 10U was kind of the start. But those are like eight-year-olds, parents that are really into it. Mm-hmm. And like anything, there's club that's, you know, there's teams that are year-round from a super young age and, and have no issue with burning them out and are doing eight-game schedules. And then there's others where it's barely more than a rec league. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's finding that balance of what you want as a parent, what you're what the athlete wants. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, who's comfortable with me sharing names and everything, but the catcher that I've had for summer and fall, his dad was asking me, he's like, what's the best advice you could give him going forward? I was like, he's got to play more than one sport because that's a great way to build some strength and avoid the burnout. So yeah, he went and had an awesome season, his first season of wrestling. Oh, wow. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a great sport. I, I used to remember at baseball practice, the wrestlers would start running like when we were starting to play catch and then we were like finishing up and they're just coming back yeah the my so i don't think he'd mind sharing this but my brother tried wrestling his first time as a freshman in high school and he would he would i know he got destroyed i think a kid with one leg pinned him in like 10 seconds what's up Brent? but it's <laughs> um it it helped him a ton got yeah. a lot stronger those guys are in excellent shape yeah and and not just a not just to speak to wrestling, it's, you know, the mental toughness it gives you, too. Yeah. There's very few sports that, that do that, which helps for all sports, then. Yeah, well, I've heard, I can't remember who it was, but some crappy YouTube short, whatever I saw, might have actually been Joe Rogan, was talking about how, like, if you play someone in basketball one-on-one and you lose, you can be like, oh, I could still kick your ass. But if you fight someone and lose, no one's like, I could beat you in basketball. <laughs> Nobody cares. <laughs> that, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fighting sports are definitely at the top. And I think that's why that was such a good sport for him to play, because that's 
like the best motivation you can give when you're working out is I don't want to like lose a fight in front of my family and all my friends. So yeah, I highly recommend that. Yeah, so everyone take wrestling. I think they're a lot better on the wrestling. I don't know wrestling at all, but I remember like like buddies that did it, and it's like yeah, I got to cut an insane amount of weight. It's like yeah, that's probably not the healthiest. Yeah. I think they were. I think they treat the kids much better with that, or they realize that that's not super safe. They better. But I, I don't know. I'm not, definitely not an expert on two-day weight loss. Yeah. <laughs> if so, I wouldn't be wearing these pants. <laughs> is there a two-day weight gain I could get in on? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there is. I, I just saw one of the one of the UFC things a guy put on, or I don't know if it was UFC. It was one of the MMA. I want to say it was a 26-pound weight gain in two days after weigh-in. Oh, or something. Dang. It was insane. Yeah, because these guys walk around at like 190 oh, and then they weigh in at 155. Yeah, crazy. And it's like, that's just got to be all water. Yeah. That's, oh, it's so bad for you. There's a lot of discussion right now on adding weight classes and stuff, so people don't have to do that. So, yeah, they better get on that. Fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of changes in uh, MLB this season. Oh, yes, this is what I was really waiting for. Yeah. Some, yeah. What do you think? Of, we'll start with the pitch clock. Um, I, I am going to be a big supporter of the pitch clock. And not that I ever thought baseball was boring. To me, baseball is the best sport for... I could, I could sit here and talk for two hours on why baseball is the greatest sport. One of the reasons is there isn't a time limit. You know, you don't get to run out the clock. You have to play it until the end. Yep. But, I mean, when I'm sitting watching, some Padres are my team. I'm an hour ahead of them. and They're playing a, a weeknight game. And so it's 7.05 start. Man, it's 11.30 our time, and I'm still watching it. I will not give up on a game. I will quit on games. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then you just get that one reliever that, that just will not throw the ball. And it it starts to drag. Baseball, to me, it's going to make it more like high school baseball, adult league baseball. You get the ball, you get on the mound, and you throw it. Yeah. It's There's no – you're not hindering anyone's ability, I think, to be successful by making them throw the ball. And I, I can't remember who the writer was. It's someone that I like, and – bummer I can't give him a shout out on your, your podcast but he watched a minor league game with it and he said he was 100% opposed to it before going and afterwards he's like this is the only way to watch baseball I saw that yeah I'm pretty curious though um, I think it was Judy Bloom okay no I did that's apparently that, <laughs> that joke went over you quit never yeah mind. I don't know who that is I'm sorry it's an author that did like books for like third, like like super fudge and tales of a fourth grade nothing and, oh okay hello god it's me Margaret yeah, yeah, just edit that part out. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving. <laughs> We're here for that's all the That was an amazing joke. That joke was ten times better than your reaction. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't give it justice. There are relievers that take forever. I'm not definitely not going to question that. But I think a lot of the time is spent by the hitters. Because they step agree. out, they get their sign. That takes five or ten seconds. They adjust each batting glove. They spit on the gloves. They get some dirt on the gloves. And it's like, oh, my God, just step in the box. Completely agree. Yeah, I would say they're just as... I, I think it's the occasional reliever that is that just human rain delay. Yeah. Where it's like, dude, throw the ball. Yeah, the Cardinals definitely have one or two of those, too. But you are 100% right. The batters, you know, I mean, one step out's enough, and then get back in the box. And I think I think it's going to make for a much more enjoyable game. I think the argument for the hitters not wanting the clock would be that that's time that they think about what pitch is coming, what pitches they've already seen, and all that stuff. I would agree. Where yeah, you step out, step back in. It's like, oh crap! What I didn't even think about what's coming, or where my runners are. Yeah, and they're they're soft focus, hard focus. I think it's easier for if you have that little longer delay in between than to get right back to a super hard focus. Yeah, 
And the argument against the clock for pitchers might be that um, some people are speculating a rise in injuries, pitcher injuries. But I don't think the clock is that fast. I think there's still enough downtime to kind of recoup. Yeah, I, I had not heard that. I, I don't know if I have an opinion on that. And yeah, I don't know how much. It'll depend on the pitcher, obviously. But I'm not sure how much the clock will speed up the game. And, like, obviously, if you're working out, there's a big difference how much rest you get. But I'm not sure it will speed up the game enough to cause anything like that. Plus, pitchers don't really throw that long anyway. Yeah, I would agree. I, I, I mean, maybe we'll see. Maybe after the first year, you know, there's going to be a ton more arm injuries. But I don't they implemented a single year of minor league baseball with the pitch clock, and now they're already bringing it. And I think it was overall a, a huge success. I would have thought that if the injury argument or, or prediction would have happened, you would have seen it at the AAA or whatever minor league level they did it at. I think they did it throughout the entire minor leagues, but I could be incorrect. That's probably true that we would have seen that in the one year, but if we did, I'm not sure that we have the commissioner that would go back on it and be like, oh, hey, I made a mistake. This is what we're going to do to fix it. I mean, it, it besides a game, it is a business. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they don't really have... I mean, they have a reason on paper to care about player health, but as far as money-making, like, it's not going to make it dent. Completely agree. That's kind of sad. I never thought of that. The, well, I mean, now it's, it's you know, Tommy Johns are pretty standard. I think, yeah. we're, I think we're 10 years away from preemptive Tommies. Which, oh, I think we're there. You think? Uh, I, I, I would hope not, but... I don't know on that. I've seen some like high school stud pitchers that just get it. The well, I mean now, I mean it used to be. I mean at one point, not that long ago, one Tommy John was. I mean you're what fifty fifty to come back, and now there's guys after two that are back and being fairly successful. Wainwright might actually have three. He's oh, got wow. two in the majors for sure. I think he got one before he was major league pitcher. Wow. But yeah, it's also the recovery time is way down now. I know, yeah. It's like nine months. It's, yeah, it's not unheard of that if that guy's out, you will have him back pitching at the major league level 12 months after that. Oh, yeah. And they'll be like just as, they'll throw just as hard. If some, not harder. yeah. I mean, there's there's some in the recent memory I can think of that, that came back and they had lost quite a bit of zip on their fastball. We allowed to use names on here? Oh, yeah. Um, Clevenger with the Padres. He was a, what, 96, 97 before his Tommy John, and he came back, and he was struggling to get to 92, and he was not the kind of pitcher that could live through it. Let's uh, not sit here and pretend like all Padres pitchers are real consistent from year to year. <laughs> the, yeah, I, we're going to throw the Padres under the bus. I can name 10, <laughs> 10 other teams. Of, oh, yeah. Of, and I think I'm going to steal your quote. Is this where we pretend that everyone's not cheating? Oh, yeah. Oh, everyone, yeah. I'm sure there's not legal ways of coming back from injuries now, too. All kinds of steroids and stuff like that that they can't actually test for. I read about um, they make steroids for everything now, like reaction time, eyesight. Yeah, I, I've heard that somewhere. I, I haven't, definitely not an expert in that, but yeah, it's... Those pools. Yeah. <laughs> there had to be something going on there. At the All-Star break, in the home run derby, he could not get one over the fence, swinging as hard as he could, and they weren't going out, and then he hit like 20 in the second Dare half. discourage <laughs> disparage a player on your home team. <laughs> for what he's done for the game, I would have given him a free pass for a half a year. It was good for baseball. I'm going to feel so bad putting this on a podcast. I might even edit this out. But um, my hitting coach in St. Louis, coach, he was Poole's hitting coach for like a brief stint, and 
he's saying he knows for a fact that Wolves was juicing in his prime. The... Not doubting it. Yeah. Not for this, but yeah. Got door. Yeah. But then again, who's not? I'm sure everyone has a story like that for everyone. I agree. Well, yeah, we'll never know. Alright, next change I wanted to talk about was... the. This is the one dearest to my heart is the automated strike zone. And I know why it's dearest to your heart, because you're a defensive catcher and, and people that made it to the major league levels at 200 hitters are going to be gone. Yeah, Yachty, we never would have had Yachty or Molina. Oh, I disagree. The uh, arm was there, but he was a crap hitter when he came up. Every catcher's a crap hitter. I could name, there's only like two catchers that are real offensive threats. We just got one. Who'd you get? Contreras. Yeah, I would agree. And, um... I mean, there's probably more than two. I, yeah, Darno had a pretty good couple years. Yeah, and... Oh, my gosh. This is embarrassing on a baseball podcast. I'm so saying Philly's catcher. I completely spaced oh, his space. Oh, As you get old people, you just forget things, yeah. <laughs> like, my kids, because of fantasy baseball, could name every player. Yeah, that guy's a good offensive player, but... Yeah, I agree with you. What, what a huge art to a it, basically a romantic part of the game it is. is going to be gone a lot of people will equate it to like flopping in basketball just drawing calls kind of it's almost cheating but i think that's why it's beautiful it is an art in, and in, i would say it's 100 percent opposite of that it is when you watch someone good at it it's amazing yeah i can tell you the feeling when you do it right as a catcher it's amazing too like when you scoop that low pitch that's like barely off the ground and you get the call, it's pretty. And then the pitchers appreciate it too. Oh, completely agree. I think, I guess in terms of impact on the game, those are the guys. Like there's catchers like like Austin Hedges, that his value to a team was his ability to take balls that were out of the strike zone and bring them in and get calls at a higher rate, which creates value for him. Players like him potentially might be out of baseball which is, I, I think, sad because it is such a, a wonderful part of the game. And I don't think it's going to impact the game as much as people realize because you watch an umpire that's horrible at it, horrible at calling balls and strikes, and the reality is it doesn't really affect the game. I mean, like, a, like sure, an angel because it's still random. Yeah, that's, that's really bad metric-wise at calling it. I still think even the worst Major League Baseball umpires are beyond amazing. Oh, absolutely. And what they can do. They're all like 9 out of 10 are correct, at least. But um, I don't think it will have a huge impact on the game. There was the one umpire, and I, I, well, I can't give him a shout-out on this, the three, called a perfect game in the World Series. Yeah, he's a young dude, too. Yeah, yeah. That I mean, that was, I mean, metrically beyond amazing. So the stat cast might have been slightly different. I know he had some that were in what they called the margin of error. So oh. there were certain balls that were off the plate. So I don't, I don't think that aspect of it will change. What I think will potentially change is, and I don't think people have thought through is, how does a catcher set up? There's no reason to frame it for the umpire's vision anymore. So do you partially stand with a runner on base? Why not? Yeah, yeah that's true. And yeah. then maybe that'll negate some of the, the bigger bases and the limited pickoffs. Which, to me, that would be crazy. I don't know if it's physically capable to do that with someone throwing that hard with that much movement. Because you still have to set up within the within the lines. It's not like I wondered if they would set up maybe like a first baseman in the opposite box and catch it to the side. Yeah, until you catch a foul tip to the side. <laughs> no, that's true. Um, to the kidney 
really now that, that aspect of the game I don't think will change. I think what could change, and just this is just me completely guessing, is I think the the curveball for the right-handed pitcher that throws it more like a left-handed curveball, if that makes sense. The more sideways break, almost like a slurve. Okay. Stuff that, you know, the before righties would just turn that shoulder and they, they still weren't getting that call consistently. I think you could see that come back more. But I think the reality is as soon as they started putting that box on TV, the umpires got significantly better. Yeah. Because, yeah, I agree. Everyone hates on now more than ever for being bad. But if you go watch, like, Greg Maddox highlights, this dude's oh. getting calls a foot and a half off the plate. Oh, yeah. There's... One of my favorite ones, in, I think it was a playoff game, and it was Eric Gregg, who rest his soul, behind the plate, and uh, I think it's LeVon Hernandez, so it was a curveball to Fred McGriff, that started off two feet, maybe got back to a foot, and he rings him up, and the look on Fred McGriff's face <laughs> is one of the funniest things. It's just like, it's it's not even a disappointment, it's just a look of, it's hilarious, everyone, go YouTube it, it's, it's beyond funny. Just utter shock. But that was, I mean, that was the early 90s, that if the catcher set up... Mm-hmm. I don't know how many inches they got off because they've also adjusted the angle that you watch games on the TV. It's a lot less angle than it used to be. When you had a big skew between the pitcher and the catcher, pitches looked like they were on the corner. They might have been six inches off. I'm sure Magic got calls a half a foot off the plate. Oh, yeah, at least. That was, that's been a big change, too, in today's game. Is like great pitchers, they get a little bit of extra wiggle room, but not nearly as much as they used to. Yeah. No, it used I think- to be like a Hall of Fame pitcher. It's a spot, no matter where the spot was, that's a strike. Yeah, and it used to be kind of, there was, I mean, they wouldn't come out and say it in the media, but they were pretty, you know, hey, that guy just has earned it, and you have it, versus now, yeah. umpires are accountable, because that box is on TV, and they want to feel, you know, they don't want to do a bad job, so yeah, the guy coming up for his major league debut really has the same strike zone as that first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, Verlander. Yeah. That guy is a freak of nature. Speaking of coming back from Tommy John's. How is that guy? He's throwing harder than he was on the Tigers still. It's, I, you know, I can remember the first time where he was like, basically, is he done when he was still on the Tigers? Mm-hmm. I think he was back from his first injury and his velocity was way down. I mean, if you would have told me then that he's going to win a Cy Young down the road and run away with it and just be insanely dominant, I would have been like, no way. I, I would have thought he was one start out of, from being out of baseball. Yeah. Yeah, he really... We've seen a couple of the old veterans do that. He really just reinvented himself. Like, he's not even the same as he was on the Tigers. Yeah, he's he's amazing still. Yeah, that's been a, a real pleasure to watch. I'd say, I'd probably say that he's the best pitcher that, like, my generation has grown up with. I think he edges out Kershaw. Even <laughs> so I was going to go, and well, I respect that you could make an argument for Verlander. And I wouldn't say you're wrong. I would vote Kershaw. The vote for Kershaw for me changed a lot when the Astros got caught cheating because my argument against Kershaw was always that he sucked in the playoffs. I watched this absolute nobody, Pete Cosma, tear up Kershaw like three years in a row in the playoffs. Not doubting or not not disagreeing with you that he has struggled in the playoffs. However, Verlander's playoff record is not much better. He's got shelled in some games too. I'd have to pull up resumes. Go go side. look at go look at uh, Pablo Sandoval hitting a fastball at his neck, about 450 <laughs> feet off of it. Verlander just going, wow. <laughs> you got to tip your cap. There's a lot. Of, I, well, I, and honestly, I think partially with that, what separates 
first ballot Hall of Famers from a lot of other guys as first ballot Hall of Famers have the ability to put themselves in a mental state to where they're pitching Game 7 of the World Series every start. Yeah, and that's that's a talent in itself. Oh, completely. That's agree. exhausting to wake up at least yeah, a little bit over once a week and be in that kind of mindset is ridiculous. Yeah, this is uh, quoting a, a fellow beer league adult pitcher. He said, if you're not as mentally exhausted after pitching as you are physically, you're doing it wrong. That's true. And yeah, I like to I like to claim some of that, that I could take the burden off the pitcher's shoulders a little bit, because I've always felt like I was not trying to brag, but just I feel like there are catchers out there that can call the game, and the pitcher just throws whatever the catcher puts down, and that takes a lot off. Uh, I definitely agree, but it's still the mental focus to execute the pitch, and I think is that, yeah. and that just that locked in, because you don't get that break in between. It's constant focus for the inning. Yeah. I, I think that's why like a guy like Kershaw, Verlander, uh, Scherzer, I think those guys just have the ability to take basically a scary level of, of focus to the mound every night versus other guys that are really good pitchers but can't get to that level, but then can step it up in the playoffs. Scherzer's the perfect example because he's almost like too locked in He's, He's kind of a jerk to people when they get in the way. The, you know, sometimes there's, I've heard uh, uh, coaches talk about you got to let, let, let out the crazy. Yeah. And he definitely is that. Have you seen the clip of him yelling at the guy? So he's out there, and he's already started his pregame warm-ups, like on the mound, getting ready for the first inning. And this person comes out who's supposed to be the ceremonial first pitch, and he doesn't let him take the mound. He's like, no, I'm already here. I'm going. I have not I was seen like, that. Oh, my God. <laughs> that does not surprise me. It's probably some cancer patient, like their last wish. The Well, I mean, it's, I mean, you're competing against the best athletes in the world. To separate yeah. yourself even from them, it's – there's a lot of really good athletes. But, like, you know, like I even told the, the, the boys that we coached, it gets to a certain point where the game, you increase from the neck up. You know, being able to focus and just your 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 intensity and and the ability to think versus the physical aspect of it. There's definitely like that next level, like that's that's the kind of mindset a lot of people have to have to play at that level. I mean, Scherzer's unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's it's a I wouldn't say it's like basketball and that it's a worldwide talent pool, like country from every single country, but it's pretty darn close. Basically, yeah, all of the Americas. Australia has a lot of good ball players now, and you're getting, you know, um, Japan and South Korea have mm-hmm. people in the major leagues. So to be able to separate yourself, it's there will always be that that athlete that can work less and just athletically they're just so gifted, but they're becoming more few and far between. Yeah, I think some of that has to do with the fact that kids are playing year round. Yeah, and I think I think a lot of it. I think yeah, playing year round. I think they're getting better coaching from a young age or potentially better coaching from a young age or the ability to get better coaching from a young age because mm-hmm. you can go search out your coach versus just signing up to play somewhere. That's true. The last change that I wanted, maybe there's one that you wanted to talk about too that's not on my list, but the bigger bases. Okay. I think that, I just feel like catchers are being destroyed, like defensive catchers are just gone. The, well, how, how so? I guess what you're, I, I'm not following you. Because I, I think stealing bags is going to be even easier now, especially with video replay, where they can get it down to like the centimeter safer out, and everyone's got it down to a science how long the pitcher takes when he's going to be off the off the slide step first, like the I guess you call it like kick is that the other term? 
first slide step. Yes. Okay. So they've got all this down to a science. And I mean, it's if you watch stolen bases, a lot of them are down to a hair. I would agree. So I feel like defensive catchers, like you're not going to have the same caught stealing percentage. Oh, you absolutely will not have the same percentage. I mean, just based on it's four inches less. But also the rules for throwing over have changed too. Yeah. They are definitely trying to get the stolen base back into the game. I mean, that was a huge part of the game in the 80s and 90s, in the early 90s. You know, you could you know, blame Ricky Henderson for it. I mean, if you go back and watch old pitchers, for one, they never came to a set. But holding runners was, was unheard of. Yeah, or, or no one's touching that record. Oh, no, no. There's Well, there's a lot of records in baseball that, that are unapproachable. And maybe now with the new rules, you'll see people get to 500. But I, I would feel fairly confident to say there's not someone coming up that's going to be a 500 stolen base bad guy. And, and that's not so much just the ability to steal bases. I think... So much of the philosophy on baseball has changed to the modern game. So outs are basically the only commodity you have of any out in the game as the offensive team. Once you're out of outs, you don't have the ability to score. So unless it's, you know, why would you take a shot on something that's 50-50 when there's a chance the guy up's going to hit a double? Yeah. You know, don't give away or, or don't even put yourself in a position to give away any of your outs. Well, that kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier, too, is that a runner in scoring position doesn't really mean anything anymore. Like, the difference between being on first and being on second is, like, smaller than it's ever been. It's smaller, but it's, I mean, I'd much rather have a runner on second base than first base. Oh, yeah. It's far easier to get a single. And it depends how many outs there are, too, because you can you can still score a runner from second without getting a hit. You know, hit a ball on the right side, then it's out oh, of yeah, yeah. yeah, but I... Don't think that there's many hitters, maybe one or two in each lineup, that even have the thought of, okay, I'm gonna try to hit a single hitter. I, I I don't think hitters change their approach. I think hitters their if their approach is I need to hit a single here, it's always I hit a single. They're never the yeah. kind like I, I mean, obviously you sometimes you like, man, we gotta put one in the seat, it's gotta come out of my shoes. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I don't think like the whole choke it up and put it in play, that's been dead for for twenty years. <laughs> I, I'm not a believer. Not in my heart. <laughs> I don't. I, I, yeah, it's to me. That's one of those things of man. I don't know if it just sounds good or it sounds like it makes sense. But like back to coaching, that's one of those things you hear someone saying. It's like I completely disagree. You practice hitting one way, hit yeah. that way. There's no reason you can't hit a triple on on one and two. That's true. Yeah, and you look at these teams that are making the World Series now. They're not small ball teams. No, there's no such thing as a small ball team now. With the changes to the rules, it might allow athletes that are good at stealing bases to get to the bigs, but I think that's another huge reason you're not going to see stolen bases, is the kind of guys that are capable of stealing 60-game bags a year aren't even making it in the minor leagues. They don't even look at those guys and give them an opportunity. You think uh, there's anyone on the Padres right now that can steal 50? That could steal 50? Grisham? No. I mean, he gets on base in like a 2 50 clips. He's not even on base enough. Guy has wheels, though. The, I mean, he's fast. I don't think he's a 50 bag. He's not going to get on base enough. Plus, I mean, they've got definitely two of the top 10 hitters in baseball, maybe two of the top five hitters in baseball, and then Manny's probably near the top 10 as well, too. I'm not giving away outs with that lineup. I'm going to play for the home run. I really have a hard 
hard time rooting for Soto now that he's on the Padres because we had this this one friend that we're not friends with anymore that was a Padres fan that kind of ruined them for Scandalous. us. Scandalous. <laughs> but Soto was like my favorite player that's not on the Cardinals when he was on the Nationals. I think I'm warming up to him on the Padres, but I really hope he bounces back and has a good year. He's... It's hard to say bounce back when you've got a 23-year-old that got on base set. No, his, his on-base clip is, <laughs> is remarkable. and He's a player that I look at and I say maybe some of the metrics of how they evaluate players, especially with war or... Um, the, what is it? The on-base plus? Not on-base plus, but... The batting OPS. plus. O, o, no, not OPS, but the one with a plus where the 100s... I don't get, understand it was at all. Yeah. They had him, I think he was the second highest in baseball. And I know he had a much better year before he came to the Padres. But as a Padre fan, if I was the other team, I would not have been afraid of him last year. Not to say, I mean, I see a lot of value of people getting on. I mean, I didn't realize how good of a ball player Ricky Henderson was until we had him in, or we, when the Padres had him in, I want to say 96 the first time. Hit maybe 230, and I don't know if they had a player of more value that year. He was just always on base. And once he was on base, he figured out how to score. And I don't know how he did it, but he knew how to score. It's like a skill that only a handful of ball players have ever had, but you saw the value when you watched, you know, a full season of baseball. Soto, I was disappointed with him last year. I'm hoping he bounces back because he seems like a really good dude and seems like a hard worker and, and just the way he brought, even at his young age, leadership into that dugout was impressive, I thought. Yeah, because he came basically as the leader. He's been the leader of his team really since Harper left. But yeah, he he's going to bounce back. That kid is special. I, I, could, I could easily see him having a a 50 home run, 330, like one of those years like Bryce Harper had his first MVP year of where it's like, wow, I hope people realize how good of a year this is. Yeah. Yeah, he's got it in him for sure. Do you guys have, is there, I don't know if you pay attention to prospects at all, those are Potter's outfield prospects that you're excited about? Because Soto sucks in the outfield. And the, you there's, don't have a first base. No, we had a center fielder, and I should know the team better. I don't. I can't remember. I think we traded him last year. I don't think there's anyone that I'm super excited about or that they're saying is a, a I don't think we have a top 100 guy in the minors. Not that those... Well, you probably did before the Soto trade. <laughs> May, I think, yeah, we had we had a center fielder that was supposedly pretty good, or we had a we had an outfielder that I think was an all-around, and I think we might have drafted some young guys that were outfielders, but I don't I don't think there's anyone where they're saying, like, there's no one on the, on the minors coming up that is going to get a shot out of that team in spring training. It's basically set. Spring training is kind of boring for you then. Yeah, I mean, just stay healthy. I mean, what we signed uh, Waka, which I think is a huge signing for the Padres. He was and actually decent last year. Today, I don't know if it was official or rumor, but that Cole Hamill signed a minor league deal with the Padres. That's interesting. I, I didn't realize he was still playing baseball. I didn't know if he was either. I think the Padres might be trying a multiple guys in three inning kind of thing like they did with Martinez last year and use that more often because we, we don't have five starters right now. We've got three definite starters, but a lot of other guys that can probably fill innings in a role other than a one-inning type bullpen setting. Well, I've heard a couple teams saying that if they added one more roster spot, then they could do away with starters completely. Yeah, I think I think most teams will ran 12 last year, generally 12 or 13. It really, I mean, you've you got to find 1,400 innings a year, roughly. 
assuming you know that's nine, so you have some extra inning games. But you also have other games where if you're losing and you're on the road, you only need to pitch eight innings. Yeah. So especially with the willingness to put position players out there. Yeah. So you only need to come up with basically fourteen hundred innings for the year. Now, I, I think where you're going to end up is a scenario if you don't think so. 162 times 9. Oh, you're so right, you're right. One, okay. one, three, nine, eight. Yeah. I think it is. All right. The, maybe. Someone's out there and they're like, dude, that guy does not know math. <laughs> Some accountant is uh, getting mad at you. Shout out San Diego State Engineering. <laughs> um, but basically you need 1,400 innings. And with 13 guys, what's that, 115, 120 innings of pop or less than that? Just slightly less than that. Obviously, you want your best pitcher throwing the most. But I, I think what the future of baseball is, I mean, it used to be that relievers, used to be a long time ago, but like, they all like, oh, Raleigh Fingers, that guy had tons of three-inning saves. And now, very common for a guy never to go more than one inning. I think they might meet somewhere in the middle. Like, I think it's easier for a body to pitch two innings on the same day and then have a full day of rest versus go one inning two days in a row because you oh, lose absolutely. that whole warm-up. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of value to that. I think you're seeing some teams do it last year. The Padres did it quite a bit, where if a guy had a real clean, low pitch count inning, they stuck him right back out there. And I think, I think you're going to see potentially teams doing that. Or I think that's where they'll get to. I think what they're seeing is the value in facing batters once. Yeah. And if you can get through an, uh, you know, your two innings and seven or eight, six, seven or eight batters, I think there's a lot of value there. Yeah. And I think I think it'll take a team that doesn't have great starting pitching. Like certain teams, you want those guys out there working 165. The Padres last year, their starters, I don't think they missed a start. They worked a ton of innings, and those were their best pitchers. Yeah, the Marlins have no reason to do that either. They've got a 200-inning guy and then a couple of young guys coming up too. Yeah, and with the new everyone throws hard, I could easily see a scenario where you look at the matchups. Okay, this, this pitcher his stuff against these batters, this is our best chance to win. And it makes it a lot more like either, if you want to call it club baseball or tournament baseball or even college baseball where you don't know people's names, you know the jersey, Mm -hmm. which as a fan, as a casual fan, I could see them not liking that as much because, you know, you'd like like knowing your team. But, I mean, I think baseball's on its way. It's when was the last time someone worked 200 innings? Did anyone work 200 innings last year? Alcantara might have. Yeah, I was gonna say two, not much over 200. No. I think he was like 210, 212, something like that. But I mean, I just was looking at the argument for uh, Mark Burley and who was the other pitcher that retired that was on the ballot for Hall of Fame? I can't remember, but Burley had 12 years in a row of 200 innings, and he's first year eligible, so he's only been out for five years. So that's not. I mean, we're not talking about someone from 30 years ago. Yeah. And or CC Sabathia hits the 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 Hall of Fame ballot next year. He had an he had a year with two hundred and forty seven innings. I mean, do you think awesome. we'll ever see a two hundred and forty inning guy again? No. I think there's zero percent chance. Well, I stand corrected. Um, Quintero had two hundred twenty eight two thirds. Okay, that's a pretty great year. That's old. What was second ball. place? Oh, I have no idea. Not good. Oh, actually, Wainwright was still like top five. Which, yeah. I would imagine that um, Alec Manoa was up there. That's a guy, he's a big, strong dude that worked really eats up Phoenix. I bet Darvish was had a lot. Let's see. But I mean, I think the new number probably is 
170, 165 is probably a solid year. I don't know what a pitcher, you know, pitchers, they always give their, this is what I want to do this year. I'm going to guess it's in the 160 to 170 range is what they target. Well, we were both wrong. There was 11 guys last year that had 200 innings. Oh, really? That's way more than I thought. Just edit that out. We'll be like geniuses. This is really <laughs> take that whole thing. We had uh, Aaron Nola was number one, actually, at 230. Okay. Uh, Framber Valdez, 226. Darvish, 219. Yeah. You worked a lot. You pitched into the... I mean, they let him go. Garrett Cole, 219. Bieber, 213. I didn't know that. I really like him. I didn't know he pitched that much. Amazing singer. Oh, different. <laughs> <laughs> He's, uh, Shane's a lot better looking. For a matter of opinion, I would say. <laughs> I don't judge. Michaelis, 206. Mc- Tristan McKenzie, 202. Alec Manoa, 202. Corbin Burns, 202. And, oh, Merrill Kelly, actually. Not, to, not to completely switch topics on you, but Tristan McKenzie someone that I could see just making a huge run inside Young next year. I agree. That guy's still electric. I'm all over him. Yeah. No, he's a stud. There's a lot of guys, actually. I think Alcantara could easily repeat. Like six times. The, yeah. That guy's so strong. He's amazing. He is. Yeah, I'm really glad that uh, we have Marcelo Zuna not on our team rather than having Alcantara. Yeah. That was our trade. We gave away Alcantara for... <laughs> yes. Yeah. But every team has that, right? Every oh team gosh. can say, oh, if we didn't trade away this guy. I mean, the Padres are still living on taking the good in our Fernando Tatis Jr. trade. Now, obviously, it doesn't look as amazing as it did 12 months ago. but It does if you're an owner. It, <laughs> <laughs> like, I may bank off that trade. The, I mean, we gave away Trey Turner for basically nothing for, for our run for it, for, you know, guys that had decent stats on the back of a baseball card. You can, yeah, you can obviously get in a way a player like Trey Turner's a big deal, but there's no spot for him on your team. No, but at the time there was. Yeah, that's true. You know, and they gave away, he was a first-round draft pick with zero games minor league. I think they had to change the rule even to trade him. They, I don't know if you're allowed to trade someone that's never suited up. There was something with that, like he was a Padres player but didn't play before they could even make that trade official. It was weird. That is weird. In other sports, you can trade like immediately after you draft yeah. them, so I don't know how baseball works. Yeah, baseball I'm slightly different. I mean, it's just un- you never trade away your first-round draft pick. That's un- un- unheard of before he's even played for you. Yeah. that's It's a different... Usually because you're drafting guys, it's rare that you draft a guy that you go, this guy's a major leaguer. Like, the last one that I remember, and I'm probably going to miss one, but Steven Strasburg was the last one where you're like, this guy might go straight to the bigs. The last one I remember. I'm sure there's been one since I think then. Harper. The, Harper yeah, was he, in the he did, at like 18 or 19. He did some, yeah, but he did a little minor league. But yeah, it was obvious with him that he, but he was the year before Strasburg, wasn't he? Or was he oh, one seriously? Year, was he one year after? I mean, they drafted him back-to-back. I can't remember who was first. I didn't realize that Strasburg was that young. Yeah. Or maybe he was older when he got drafted. He Well, he was three years of college. Okay. So, I can't remember. I mean, they went back-to-back, and I think it was... I did not know that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to remember. I know that guy, or... Actually, that's not true. Um, both of those pitchers that were on Vanderbilt, was it two years ago? Both of those guys, they said, were real close to being big leaguers, so I don't remember their names. Uh, One of them's a former Major League Baseball player's kid. One of them is... I think he is the top pitching prospect. I think they're both Robert in Texas is. now, right? I don't oh, really? believe so. I mean, Vanderbilt puts out a number one oh, prospect geez. every year, but 
man, I should know this. It's embarrassing to not know when you're on a baseball podcast, but we they're both on Texas right now. The one guy didn't sign for a year, okay. but they're both just beyond amazing. We had a guy in uh, my high school, the small, small town before we moved here. We had, my class was the biggest class in the school's history. We had like 250 or 260 kids. That's just your graduating class, correct? Yeah. So like a thousand in the school, a few times a five. Ish, yeah. But, yeah, we had this guy, he was, I think he was three years older than us. But he went to pitch at Vanderbilt, and he was unbelievable, like 92, 93 in high school, and then never even, like, you're just a small fish in a huge pond at Vanderbilt. That school's insane. Dave, you know, it's rare for a school to be just, just good at baseball, and mm-hmm. they do it. Yeah. But if that kid is out there, Eric, shoot, I can't remember his last name. He left quite the impression. Eric something. Well, I didn't like him because he stole my J-Bands. That's he what I was going to say. If you're out there, I want my J-Bands back. I was a freshman, and we were at... A just car- just say that there's an opera. Somehow he listens to this. He's with people, and they're like, dude, they're talking about you. <laughs> dude, you stole that guy's J-Bands. <laughs> I, was, I was a freshman. I was like... 5'11", 140, and he's like 6'3", and like huge, and he came up to me, it was either tryouts or like the first week of practice, and he was like, can I use your J-bands? And I was so scared, I was like, yeah, sure, whatever, and then I never saw him again. I mean, I bet you if you looked him up, he's either selling insurance in the same town you grew up in, or he's a narc in the high school, and he's the pitching coach on the varsity team. I can't remember, I can't remember, I can't believe I can't remember his last name. They still call them narcs. I don't even know if they call them that. That's what we called them when we went to high school, but I think they're... I'm sure that's, like, offensive to somebody and you can't say that anymore. Probably. It's probably offensive to them. Because they weren't narcs. They were just doing their job. Yeah. Those poor people hated on for eternity. And, and not like I was a bad kid. Like, he was going to rat me out. <laughs> Showing up two minutes late. Yeah. But that was, like, me being bad. <laughs> if you weren't two minutes late to the first class of the day or an overachiever, the Avs always on time. I don't know, back then they weren't as, like, forgiving as they are now. I Actually, I don't know how they are now, to be honest with you. I should know because I have kids in that, in that in, what, in high school and one in junior high. Well, I guess you don't know because you get your kids to school on time, so the, that's a good thing. They actually both start before I do at work. So, yeah, they're gone when I'm in the shower in the morning. Oh, yeah? Yeah. At least you're up. I am up. Do they, te- do they have to take the bus? No, uh, they do not. I don't think many kids have to take the bus to school anymore. I, I think more than you'd realize. Really? Yeah. They actually offer buses here. Like, my... So, Southern California, we could do elementary school, but there was no busing to junior high or high school. It just didn't exist. And they were a long ways away. Like, if you had you to just walk... just gotta find a ride? I guess. Or your parents take you, or you, you, know, you hoof it. At least in San Diego, it's nice out all the time. That is true. But still, I mean, the high school was, I don't know, four miles away. Dang. Yeah, yeah, that's a long walk right there. Yeah, if you got to walk it. That's a good chunk of your morning. Now, if I was walking, I definitely would have been late. Five minutes late occasionally. You got to kiss some upperclassmen's ass a little bit and get a ride? The, I rode with my neighbor, I think. Okay. I'm trying to remember, honestly, how I got to school. I think maybe my mom took me. Did you have to wait till you were 16 to get a license? Yes. Yeah, California is definitely 16. Permit at 15 and a half. Yeah. License at 16. That's how Illinois was. But here... Idaho's a little different. You can get you can get a license at 15 here, can't you? You want, you want, to, feel, you want to feel old, Quinn? Yeah. One of the kids on our club team from last year, I saw him driving yesterday. No way. Yep. You'll have to tell me after this who it was. Uh, his first name starts with a D. 
I don't want to, I don't want to say his name because he's obviously a, a minor, but oh. he was one of the two that was uh, great ahead of the other two. Okay. I'm kind of embarrassed. Yeah. I'm not in that mode right now. Yeah, that's no, okay. Yeah. So, uh, was there any other baseball topics you wanted to bring up? No, I can't remember any of the other rule things. I was excited to talk about the rule changes, to be honest with you. I think I think it will be good. I think as long as they don't go crazy, I think getting baseball back to an athletic sport is a good thing. Oh, they've uh, banned the shift now, right? Yes. I... I support that. I think it's unfair and slightly against the rules. Like it should be, you're you're required to have eight defensive players in fair territory, and you should be able to put them by rule. That's kind of the whole strategy of baseball. Is that like occasionally someone comes up with something crazy, and then it becomes becomes new. Mm-hmm. I think with the shift, they could have beat the shift if they would have forced people to bunt and just been like, we're going to get on base against this. But then you know the. Metric, maybe the metric said, hey, we still want you to drive the ball. That, yeah, that, that's sure. still a, a better option. I think, I will say as a fan, when your team and a guy hits a rocket that would normally be a two-bouncer to the right fielder, and it goes right into the second baseman's glove who's out there 130 feet away, you're just like, oh, that's horrible. I just don't understand the thinking behind we're going to speed games up while also creating more offense. That's not how you speed up a baseball game is score more runs. I agree. It's I, I don't think it's I think you're looking at it too black and white though. I think it's they're trying to speed up the game is one of the things they're trying to do, but I think they're trying to make it more athletic to where the shortstops and the second baseman have more diving plays and and that aspect of the game. That's true, because no one not no one obviously, because you and I do, but far less people will sit down and watch a full game now than so kids are just watching highlights and stuff. Kids don't just sit down and watch a baseball game. Yeah, I don't mind do. I mean, not to say mine are special compared to anyone else's, but I mean, I'll no, even catch them. Like, like, I'm even to the point of sometimes it's like, man, I, you know, I'm not, I can't do it tonight. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, I've, I've watched enough, and who's a starting pitcher? I could, you know, mm-hmm. care less about this one. And they'll be like, put it on, or I'll catch them watching a different team. And I, and I was like that at their age. I watched the like the summer was the best. You got the Cub games early because they were day games, and you could watch the Brave games because they were three hours before the Padres. Then you watch the Padres games. You could watch the nice. three games if all the teams were home on a on a given day. It was yeah. awesome. That was a big part of learning the game too. It was like listening to the announcer break down and. Oh, completely agree. I think I think I've learned more about baseball not from coaching and that from just watching Major League Baseball. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's and, uh, and it's all reps. And honestly, and, and I know this would not be a popular opinion playing baseball video games it's the one of the big things I try to pe- treat and we're going to bring a full circle here like we're good comedians and wrapping it up with some final joke but one of the things I preach to the youth athletes is baseball's a game where you know what's going to happen and then in a millisecond the play changes completely how fast can you react to that you have to be able to do it basically as it changes you change it's I had a young lady that played for me for a long time who was a very good athlete, real good ball player. But again, you would see her thinking on the field, and you'd be like, oh, my gosh. you know. I think the baseball video games help eliminate that because you know what's happening. You don't have time to, oh, to react. A little more situational awareness. Yes, situational awareness and just the ability that you got to have it. Something's got to happen right now. Yeah, that's true. You that's know, when point. someone does something they're not supposed to do, it's like, how do you react? 
Yeah, speaking of uh, announcers that help kids learn the game, uh, did you see Tim McCarver passed away today? I did see that. That guy was an, a legend as an announcer. Obviously as a player, but his breakdowns and how much I feel like everyone learned about baseball is pretty unbelievable. Was he was he St. Louis's announcer? Did you grow up with yeah. him? Okay. See, I only remember him from the World Series and mm-hmm. playoff baseball and I guess All-Star games too. So I don't remember him as fondly as you do. Not that I'm anti-Tim McCarver by any means. Right. It's tough to watch someone that they're not supposed to have a bias. Like when yeah. when it's your announcer, they're they're like almost part of your family. You're hanging out with them. If you watch, like I watch probably 120 games a year, and you're spending three hours with those people. You're spending a ton of time with them. Yeah, a lot of and, and you know um, with the Dodgers, Vince Scully. Yeah. At the end of his tenure, even with Kershaw on that team, he was the most popular Dodger. And that's people don't realize the impact that the announcer has on that. And, I, and I've been blessed as a Padres fan to have some amazing announcers. The the two we have now. Oh, are, those guys are awesome. They are. It's it, it it makes a game so enjoyable versus having, and the Padres for a while hired one of those guys that had been around forever and was a professional announcer, could have announced darts and would have been good at it, but the passion wasn't there. But having those guys where it's their team and you feel they want to win is, is amazing. So mm-hmm. as someone that was a, a St. Louis fan, and I'm I, sorry for your loss. <laughs> but he's a, a legendary catcher, too. Was he? Is he in the Hall of Fame? I think. As an, as an announcer? I think so. I don't know how that works. Do you have to wait? No, I think they just like announcers. I don't think they... So obviously they get voted in a different thing. It's not through the writers. I don't know how that... Actually works, so, but I think they can go in earlier. I mean, really, if anyone has a tenure that long with their team, they should be at least there should be something in the Hall of Fame for them of like because there's a lot of people that equate Cardinal baseball probably to him. Yeah, or Mike Shannon, who's also retired now, he'll probably be. I guess if you don't have to wait as an announcer, he'll probably be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how they do that to be honest with you. You have to wait five years after you're retired, and then most of them are just gone. Well, most of them end up going until they are unable to speak anymore it's not like if yeah. they're good at it yeah that's what shannon did he was not to disrespect an absolute legend of an announcer but he was gone at the end yeah well i mean it's you know father time is undefeated yeah and he's just sitting up in a booth drinking beers all the time <laughs> it's not good for you to just sit around and drink alcohol either yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so rest in peace tim mccarver yeah that's uh uh, a real legend of the game. I never thought about your point about playing uh, baseball video games, though. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, well, and yeah, and that's just a completely different. I know a lot of people are have too many video games. I'd rather my kids play video games instead of watch TV or YouTube or TikTok. True. You just have to use your mind. Yeah. But I, I think baseball video games are, are, yeah, anything you can do to be a bound baseball that, that helps you just recognize the game. And other games just build helps. competitiveness, too. I think I being competitive is something that you can definitely work on and sitting around watching TV is not the same. Yeah, completely agree. Baseball, the video games have helped me because me and my friend uh, buy and sell baseball cards and stuff. So when you play MLB The Show, you can play this franchise mode where you're basically the GM and you can make trades and everything. Okay. So I know like all the prospects for oh, all so you're, the teams. Okay, you're selling real. You're not selling the cards from the video game. Right. This is like, okay. Real real cards. Old school. People still actually have baseball cards. The I'm so out of that world uh, a co-worker of mine, what's up, Brian? He 
he is super into it, but I didn't know there were things like people do the unboxings on, you buy them on eBay oh, yeah. and unboxings. It's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. And I will say, I worked with a guy for a while, Steve, that uh, knew I was a Pottery fan. And What's he, up, Steve? Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't know what that guy's up to. That guy was a character. I'm not going to use his last <laughs> name, but, but um, <laughs> definitely a character. But he gave me a, I think I have a Jake Peavy card with a piece of his jersey in it. I thought that was like super nice of him. Oh, like, yeah. Dude, I, you know. Those are pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal if you have the game-worn ones, because sometimes they'll put that piece of jersey in there, and it's just, like, some fabric, you know. Oh, it's completely fake, probably. But some of them are actually, like, authenticated game-worn. So I got some baseball card questions for you, then, if that's okay. okay. So for someone yeah. that's out of the game. So before, it was, like, definitely showing my age now, with Tops, Don Russ, and then I was alive when Bowman reintroduced. But you bought a pack of cards, and it was probably 12 and a stick of gum. But even after post-stick of gum, it was, like, 12 or 15 cards. How many, how many cards are in a pack now? You like, can you buy a pack of cards anywhere? Yes. They still sell packs of cards. Fred Meyer. Okay, so you run into Freddy's, need some dog food or whatever, or whatever you're getting there, and you're like, oh, sweet. Now, is Topps still a, is that the generic? Yes. Like, okay, so that's like the Ford of, okay. So Topps, now, I guess you're saying Bowman was a separate company, so Topps. They were all, I knew they were owned by the same. So here's what, you know what okay. Bowman came out? They reintroduced in. So they were an old school, and then they came back, and it was a big deal, and they were, um, I want to say this was probably around 1992, they reintroduced them. They made them different sizes than all the other baseball cards, so if you had the things where they oh. held them, they were like, I don't know, oh, like 5% longer. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah like, I have some of those. Oh, I know, yeah. Oh, I got tons of them, it's like, <laughs> but they don't hold any of the stuff you had that held them. Yeah. It didn't work. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, way to go, Bowman. So Bowman cards now, they're like really beautiful, like really cool looking cards, but they're super famous for, that's um, kind of the line that does prospects. Okay. So you can get a first Bowman card is when the guy's still in the minor leagues. Okay. So those are worth like usually more than a base rookie card. Okay. So is your first year major league card considered your rookie card or yeah. is your first release? First baseball card I think is a rookie. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Don Russ. They still make baseball cards, but they're not licensed, so they don't have like team logos or anything like that. They'll have the guy's name and number and everything, but there's no team logos. Do people buy that? Yeah, there's not as much of a market if you want to flip them, but they're, the cards themselves are way cooler. Oh, that's I, that's odd. Yeah, it seems like baseball cards used to be a youth activity, now it's more an adult people that have money. Oh, it was crazy. Like, yeah. We went to a card show on two weeks ago, something like that, two and a half weeks ago, and there was kids walking around with these cases of those great, you know, PSA graded cards. I sort of know what you mean. But they're like striking thousand plus dollar deals. Oh, it's just wow. like, yeah, like Evan, well, Evan and Nolan's age, like walking around. Yeah. It's wild. It's, it's, I mean, people enjoy what you like. To me, it's like kind of sad that you can't just affordably go and get a bunch of guys that you like and, and be like, oh, because I mean, that's. I mean, that was pre-fantasy baseball when I was collecting cards. So that was basically how you learned players that and just watching games. But that was yeah. back when there wasn't interleague either. So you didn't really... The only exposure you had to the other league was like Sports Center. Mm-hmm. So now now it's obviously different with the interleague and, and just everything. And That's another change that we could talk about. Um, there's more interleague games now, and you play the teams in your division less. Yes. It, well, it's a balance schedule. You play everyone the same, right? So it's supposed to be more equal. I think so. Which is interesting for trades, because it used to be you don't want to trade a guy to a team in your division. Yeah, and I think there's still some of that. I mean, there's still some of that in 
partially because you don't want him to go to the other team and be like, hey, this is how we're cheating. Oh, yeah. I want him to go, go away and do it. But I think it's fair. I mean, I thought the AL East last year was stacked. And they yes. had an unbalanced schedule to where they're playing each other. So, like, if you would have stuck the Blue Jays in the Central, probably would have ran away with that division. Both Centrals, AL and NL are worthless. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it cycles, but yeah, I would agree. Right now, yeah. Right now. So I, I think yeah. it's fair. I think what's also really cool as a fan is as I've gotten older, there's certain players I want to see. So we took a trip to San Diego last year. To, uh, this is really bad. We had not seen our families in a couple of years since COVID. And we went to San Diego for four days and went to three St. Louis games because I wanted to see full holds to 700th home run. Yeah. I was so hoping he was going to do it. He got to 99 and got to see. But we got to see basically three legends. Um, Wayne Wright didn't pitch that in that series. They did something cool, though, you said, right, for him? They, they did. They did. They gave a, a basically a shout-out on the big screen. And I can't remember if they gave him a, a – they might have given him a present or something, like a surfboard or something during yeah. San Diego. But this is one of the, the things I'll always remember about that is Molina was in the outfield warming up his pitcher, and he kind of shook off the whole thing because he was getting his pitcher ready. And I'm just like, yeah. that guy is the man. Yeah. Like, as a pitcher, how do you not love that? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's what I grew up with was, like – 90% of your job as a catcher is to make your pitcher happy. Yeah. No, it's... Obviously, Pujols got the biggest announcement. He is a all-time great. I mean, 700 home runs, and had a 10-year run as good as probably anyone in the history of baseball. There were trophies and, and Frank Thomas and Ted Williams, and some of those just historic 10-year runs. But I think the you'll, they'll never be able to quantify Yadier Molina's value but I truly believe that he was as valuable over his career than Poulds was. I'm biased, but I would agree. It's, yeah, I, I, catcher, people catcher. just don't realize what he did. I mean, I look at... I mean, Now they can look at things like the ability to steal strikes, like strikes outside of this zone that they bring in mm-hmm. and that, but the one thing there's, there'll never be a measurable metric on is calling a game. And yeah. he was amazing at it. And uh, certain catchers, they don't even talk about it, they say, like, I remember them saying uh, Mike Piazza was a not a good defensive catcher, and he played for the Padres, I think, for a year and a half or two years. Our pitching staff was significantly better when he was there, and then you look back at the Dodgers when he was there. That was a good pitching staff. He left. Not as good. Went to the Mets. Pitching staff got better. I think that's something that you there's no quantifiable way to you know put value of one guy compared to another, but Molina's one of the best ever at that. Yeah, and you just, could say, like, staff ERA or whatever, but when you're with the team for as long as Yachty was, like, there's nothing to well, compare it to. And there were some uh, – they had some great teams during that run, but they were always in the playoffs with mm-hmm. teams that I was like, how is this a playoff team? That's because that's what they built it for. Every single year, they build a team to barely make the playoffs. And then once in a while, they accidentally win a World Series, but they never turn away – they never make, like, a Juan Soto trade. Yeah, no, I got lucky with Nato. I'll say that well, they gave away nothing for ninety million in Nato. It's <laughs> I know. Well, talk about ripping off the Rockies. Well, talk that's about the second time we've gotten the Rockies that way too. We got Larry Walker the same way. No, it's it's one of those right. things that they'll never be able to tell his true value. Right. But for some of that, you know, obviously you watched a ton more games than I did, but he he made he made news. Like when they talk about basketball players, making players around him better, he did that. Yeah. And it's like when you shorten innings, 
well, how do you know that you didn't make that pitcher better and save him from an injury? You'll never know that. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and I shouldn't say that. I know Pujols is better. I mean, he's one of the monsters of the game. He's up there in that super elite first ballot echelon. Like, he's, to me, he's a no ballot, unanimous choice. There's oh, yeah. no argument you can make for me that he's not a first or a, a unanimous choice. Agreed. But I, I think Molina's not far behind. It's close. Yadi was cool because, like, for people my age, basically my whole life has been him. He started in 2004. I'm born in 2002. So when, like, when I was playing baseball, the coach, the first time I ever caught it was like, you want to catch? And it was like, man, I get to be like Yadi or Molina. Or I forget how young, how young you are because, yeah, because so my Yadi was Tony Gwynn. Yeah. But I was... You know, when Tony started, I was, well, I was only a couple years older. I guess I was born 76, and his first year was, what, 81 or 82. So I was, you know, obviously too young then, but when I was old enough to start understanding it, it would have been our World Series run in 84. But yeah, to have that guy in your town and never leave forever, it's so awesome. It really it's is. It's sad that players don't get that now, that you have to have your favorite player or your favorite player that will leave you. Yeah. You know, and potentially would go to a team that you don't like. Yeah. That's another record that will be broken is uh, Yachty and Wainwright's. Oh, uh, combine our, our starts battery together? Battery starts, yeah. Oh, yeah. That won't be touched. But when when we're trying to get these kids to catch here, it's like, oh, my God, I don't want to catch. <laughs> but in St. Louis, it's like, I get to catch? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, it's one of those, if that's your 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 guy. Yeah. And he, yeah, there's probably a lot of people like you that wanted to be a catcher because of him. Yeah. Which And we all wore number four. Every catcher in St. Louis is number four. <laughs> it's it's a tough position. I'm I'll be honest. I'm glad both of my kids don't like it. <laughs> well, uh, one of your kids is a pitcher, and that's no joke. That's like the worst thing you could possibly do to your body. I'm convinced. As a kinesiology major, I don't think I you think worse than than playing football. Or other than the, your head, like obviously your head is the most important. See, part. I would. And I'm not disagreeing it's not hard on your body. Like, I can tell my left arm, like, is different than my right. When I hang, they look different. I, it hurts to throw anymore, but I can get through it. Yeah. My brother, who pitched more than me, can't lift his arm above his head. And I think that's pretty standard Yeah. for that. But it doesn't hurt just walking around. I mean, it just gets to a point where your arm hurts to throw and you got to quit throwing. And then you just go to front toss. You know, you're not throwing real BP. It's to your back, though, too. It's a pretty wicked twist. Yeah, I, I don't... I mean, I'm sure there are ones, but I, I don't think it's... I think there's other sports. I mean, it's not golf. It's not going to be easy on your body like that. But if my, if Nolan came to me and said, hey, I want to play football, I'd be like, oh, no. Yeah. But I, I, I have zero health concerns with him being a pitcher. Yeah. Well, football is cool. And, and, and maybe that's a bad example. I mean, there's other, you know, it's, I don't know. I, I don't have to worry about him being a basketball player. Yeah. really don't have to worry about him being a football player, to be perfectly <laughs> frank. But. I, there's no point where I'm just like, man, this is going to hinder him for the rest of his life. Because if True. if the worst you get is it hurts to throw, that's not a big deal. That's worth. Then it. you're just not doing. Oh, to me, it totally is. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've I enjoy a lot of things. I enjoy archery and and uh, you know personal things and, and you know support that way. But to me, there's no greater the feeling than taking them out and throwing the ball. Yeah. It's just awesome. I love it. There's something about like being up above everyone else. That's like a, it's a pretty dominant feeling. The yeah, and I don't even know why I love it honestly. It but it's just it's that's baseball to me. Like I it, well, 
at some point I'll go back to playing in the adult leagues and the super old man league. And I'll probably play a lot of first, but if I can't pitch, it'll be like, man, do I really want to do this or I just want to keep coaching? Yeah. I tried that because I've had shoulder problems since I was a freshman in high school. And then I played, I kind of got through it sophomore year, I did okay. And then we moved here and I didn't play baseball anymore. But then I went to Idaho State. I was like, oh my God, I miss baseball so much. So I, I tried to start working out with them as a first baseman. And I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah, it has to be something you love. Yeah, no shade thrown at the first baseman. If that's what you love, that's what you love. And I enjoy playing first base too. Like in slow pitch, that's absolutely my position because I hate running the outfield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, save your dinner. I mean, You're like, sorry, all I got is this big glove that looks like a taco. Taco <laughs> Tuesday at first base. <laughs> taco doesn't sound so bad right now. The I ate before I came, I had a wonderful quesadilla. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it was good. Did your wife cook it? She did. Yeah. <laughs> that was the worst part of being at baseball, coaching with you. It was like, we're hungry, it's dinner time, I was at school and working all day. And then you're like, oh yeah, my wife is making this amazing dinner. <laughs> yeah. I guess bad for you, awesome for me. Yeah. I was working all day and not eaten. That is lame. I got up, yeah, I got back from work and started setting up. That's how, that's how excited I was to talk with you. Yeah. Yeah, I had to work today, too. Just a lot of sitting. But yeah. Nothing exciting today? Uh, no. I mean, like, you know, civil engineer on the excitement scales right between, like, lion tamer and, and skydiver, but... Just no. adrenaline junkies? Oh, big time. Yeah. <laughs> like rock climbers? Very much so. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I looked at plants today. Oh, no, wow. it's, it's, I, I make the joke. I, I enjoy my work. That's pretty intense. It's not intense at all. <laughs> and you get to, they're pretty, you always talk about how cool they are with, like, you're leaving town for baseball or softball or whatever. Oh, absolutely. No, my employer is amazing for that. And actually, they're letting me do some things for my, this opportunity I have to coach at the high school team that, that in the private field, I would have zero opportunity. I couldn't do this. And even coaching my sons and my daughter's teams the way I have the last years, I, need, I needed a place like I'm at now. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's almost time to wind down. Your job is almost done. The oh, as a coach? Yeah. Maybe. You know, if I'm. Yeah. You I, start so, with younger kids or what? I figured you'd be done once your kids are high school and beyond. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm honestly really excited about the opportunity with the high school with that seventh and eighth grade team and it being a short season. Um, I think I think I'm a good softball coach and compared to the other groups, I'm, I'm among the better that I've seen so far and I guess there's two parts of it there's coaching and there's managing and the managing part I mean not I, I think I'm really good at that the flow of the game comes to me um, when Brianna's done which will probably I'm hoping she plays two years of 18U I will have no reason to do softball not that I don't love it I, right. I would love it like if someone an opportunity came I would jump at it but the boys, seventh and eighth grade, to me might be the situation that fits me the best because I can coach positions at that age to where you're not teaching them wrong. But I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm definitely not a catching coach, and I, you know that. And just because I didn't play it, so that's a very position specific. One thousand percent, you have to have done it. Yeah, and you know I can fake the corner at first base. I can coach. I'm no concern there. And third, I could fake it enough, but like middle infield, enough to get by, but at that age, is kind of the point of where you need people to play middle infield. But what I can't coach is pitching. And that's 7th, 8th grade, that's a critical time in those kids' career or, or development if they want to become a pitcher. 
yeah. I think this group has probably six kids that I've called pitchers, but in four years, they're not going to have six kids that are pitchers. So it's really helping them maybe develop mechanics and just mindset and, and the nuances of becoming a pitcher that can help them with that. I think that's actually what I'm best at on the field. Now, in terms of winding down, I will probably take some type of break after. I don't, obviously, I won't take Nolan all the way through. That's This is a one-year thing, mm-hmm. and then I want to play for other people yeah. in high school. And my daughter, I would I'd like to stay with her just because she performs well under me, and it depends on, honestly, what she does next year. It could be a some of the other programs, if she goes to them, they don't want outside coaches, which would be fine too. I'll take a couple years off, but I there's no way I'll step away from baseball completely. And I don't know what that next phase will be. And maybe it, I enjoy the high school. I know what it's going to be. What do you think? When the when the podcast gets a little bigger and I have some money to to pour in other things other than student loans, we're going to start a club team. We're going to yeah. have a whole club organization. I've you know I've I've thought that that would be awesome I think and to brag about myself more I think I understand it right that uh, the, that area of not burnt out but still teaching them mm-hmm. but treating the kids good to me the most important thing that if I put my kids with someone else is it's got to be with someone that treats them good yeah you know but I also want them to learn baseball um, one of the best or nicest things I've ever heard anyone say about me is they said you know you always hear coaches that say I coach positively but they either coach positively and don't coach, or they don't coach positively. They said I did both, and I thought that was one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about me. I was so like proud of myself after that's pretty cool. That but for someone I respected a lot, someone that was a better coach than me. That that's definitely me. something I took from you and uh, Jeremy. The but I think I think there's an opportunity for that. You can have your cake and eat it too in in club, and it's it's just about setting expectations with the coaches and schedule and what you're going to allow. And then, and then staying true to that. I think the environment that we built is definitely something that people would look for. I, I agree. Yeah. Because they know, like, people are smart enough to know that their kids will get burned out if that's, like, if it's taken too seriously and played all the time. Because I feel like you can play all the time as long as it's still fun. But a lot of these club teams, like, it's not fun. I definitely played for club teams where it's just not fun to be a part of. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I had a, a young woman on my second year 14U team when we were the Breeze who had been burnt out on it. Her dad convinced her to play and said, this guy's a good guy, and she had friends on the team, and she was an amazing hitter. Like, I can't even say how good of a hitter she was. You could have stuck her at 14, who she was in seventh grade, on the local high school team, and she probably would have batted in the top six on that team. Yeah. She was a stud. She hit the ball so hard. And she played one year, and she... I thought she loved it. And she at the end, she's like, "Yeah, man, I'm not gonna play next year. I don't want to." She's still burned out from it. Dang, she'll so, probably coach. That was me. Maybe. Yeah, Give I. Her a few you know, years. potentially. Uh, you know, you you never know. But it's. I I I thought that maybe that's my next phase. I had like the whole high school. I don't. I would do high school fast pitch. I don't think I would want high school baseball. But to me. High school has some advantages and disadvantages. The advantages they have to come to you. And that's the horrible thing, or not horrible thing, but the part about club where it was tough when I just started a club team and didn't have a name of recruiting players to come to us. You know, if I would, going back, I would have just gone to one of those organizations and been like, hey, can I coach under your banner? And then you've got instant credibility, which is silly because I know that that's not true and it's only as good as the, the people behind that jersey. Right. But that's why we're going to start one. 
I could, I, I think, you know, the ones in Idaho does not have, I mean, they have some that we played against when we were coaching, and I thought they had, like, any organization, they had some where I was like, man, this guy's awesome, these kids are awesome, mm-hmm. and then another one in that one where I was like, man, let's go strangle this third base coach, this guy is ridiculous. So Remember that? <laughs> I don't, I don't even remember what team it was, but that guy that showed up. I, so I'm not going to say the company name because I don't want to give a shout out on this. But they had, yeah, and I'm just like, just two minutes of hearing him talk, and it's like, yeah, no. He came over to us right away. He's like telling us about the wood bat league that he played in, <laughs> and he's talking to he's talking to the kids about. Um, you know, the easy thing is he's not smart enough to realize you need to be talking about him right now. <laughs> I don't care if he knows. No, I know, but, I, but you just look at that. That's one of the bad things with the club is that program probably. What do you think those parents got to check for twenty five to three thousand bucks for the oh, year? Oh yeah, and you get that as a coach. What was the? He was talking about some super specific mechanic of his hitters. Oh, I can't remember, but I just remember thinking like. Because he said he had a hitter in the box, and he mentioned it to the guy like, I can't remember what it was. That's gonna kill me. But even I was like, I had to kind of infer context clues to figure out what that meant. I was like, that was above me. (laughs) These kids are 13. What you get, yeah. I think, and and no one would ever, you couldn't make a living out of a club thing, but, you know, something that it would be creating. I've I've thought about that for, like, softball would be awesome. Just an opportunity where you had coaches that had the same vision as you treated the kids good, but still taught them the game. Right. Um, and then opportunity, and really for Idaho, it's, it's a summer where they can practice getting fields and getting them indoor. That's the big thing here. I mean, that was the huge advantage we had. We had a field. Yeah. People don't realize how important that is. And we had an indoor facility. We did, yeah. And which we paid good money for. And any program could have done that, but it's, you know, not all of them do it. It was a good investment for the high school coach. Oh, my gosh, yes. Well, and we paid the same as any other team going in there, too, I believe. I don't believe we got any type of discount. I, I don't know that. Probably not. It's Well, they, they got to be fair, too. Oh, yeah. You know, but... That was a great investment and, for and, him. And, you know, like in coaching, you always have to learn as a coach. If you think you know it all, you're completely wrong. And I just saw what reps do, how much a kid, how much a youth athlete at that age can grow in... We've had that team together for nine months or ten months. Something like that. And That's what kills me as a, a catcher coach. We'll specialize in catchers, whatever. It doesn't, I mean, 30 minutes a week goes a long way if you're consistent with it and you go all winter. Like, what I could get with the catchers was a true blessing because not a lot of teams would have let me do that. Yeah. And all these other catchers are neglected. And we had really one kid that had seriously caught before and then by the end of the season we had three guys that could compete with any catcher we saw yeah I agree it's like every other team just neglects the reps like you were saying yeah I don't know if it's so much neglects I will say you know and so I learned a lot also just the value of having a catcher specific coach like I wish I could go back to my daughter's groups when we were in tenure and I would have found someone that knew that and hired them and been like hey I need you to come do this because if you don't teach them when they're young, they develop bad habits, and it's so much harder to break. Versus yeah. when they're young, they're sponges. Yeah. You know, I, I've learned the value of, of that. And I think some of those other teams, even though I thought we went against some coaches that were good too, but but like we talked about 15 minutes ago or 10 minutes ago or five, I can't remember. 
if you were to catch her, it's tough to catch it. Like, I can fake it with a 10-year-old. Like, this is how you stand, this is where you at, this is what you're doing. But other than that, that's about it. Well, I think it does, the pitcher is such a disservice. If if you stick a catcher back there that doesn't know what he's doing. The, oh, I, it's, I mean, that's, I think where that 14 to 16 age group, the difference, I mean, the better teams have the better pitching, but it's at that catcher position, too, where the good versus the elite teams separate themselves as they have that catcher back there that's better than the other team's catcher. That's another way the game's changed because it used to be like you put the kind of thick kid behind the plate and he's going to block some balls for you. And it's like now it's those guys are athletes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely that that position has changed somewhat. It's also it's also a tough position. that, Like I always say the best catcher is the kid that cries when you don't have him back there. Yeah. They want to catch it every single inning, and you're trying to be like, no, we got to get some other people back there. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's a lot of heart. Oh my gosh, it's it's a tough you know tools of ignorance, hundred percent true. Yeah, yeah. If you've never had to do it, you're blessed. I'll say the, that. Uh, best thing about being left-handed. <laughs> that yeah. special scissors in second grade. <laughs> they probably don't like kids play with scissors anymore. You probably. I think that was a courtesy laugh. I don't believe Quinn got that joke. Either. No, I did. Okay. Yeah, we had lefty scissors. Okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't think they do anything with paper anymore, though. Oh, well, or I was going to say with scissors. But <laughs> yeah. Paper. Well, scissors don't do a lot of good if there's no paper. The, I, you know, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I don't want, definitely don't want to be that back-in-my-day guy, but when I see, <laughs> you know, that everything's on their computer now, I guess that's cool. I don't know. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for coming out. Dude, thanks for having me, man. This was fun. Yeah, that, that, was, that was a good, good time for sure. And, uh, only thing better than or I guess not as good as playing baseball or being on the field but this is the second best thing talking about talking it. about it yeah. yeah it's almost time yeah it's winter time you can't go out there and be out there right now yeah we hit on the field two days ago Did you? <laughs> me and my daughter yeah we go out there once in a while we made it um, about this time of week last week Evan and I went and uh, he is strongly considering being so I just caught his bullpen and we worked on some mechanical stuff and then he soft-tossed me and I hit. <laughs> yeah, I miss it. Practice is fun. I don't think people realize how important it is to enjoy the practices. As they get older, I, that's what I tell a lot of our girls. I was like, if you don't love the practices, there's no point even, yeah. even being here. And that's part of your job as a coach. Make the practices fun. Yeah. You know, you can, there's things you can do to make practice fun. Or you can try. Yeah. Yeah, make it a little competitive. I'm a huge fan of little mini games where the kids are competing against. You know, I've learned a lot from that. That was from the help from the high school coaches, honestly, and their belief in compete. You know, it is sport, compete, not just baseball being a sport, but sport and sport is for competing. That really resonated with me. Yeah. And just teaching that because you can't go out and try to win a baseball game. You can try to win the pitch, and then you try to win the next pitch. Yeah. But like a game of tic tac toe, you can try to win tic tac toe from the start. Yeah, chess. I would dominate you on chess. I'm just going to throw that Oh, yeah, you would. Do you know how ADD I am? I get bored. No, it's, and I'm, not, I'm not a good chess player by any means. There's probably some 12 year old that's like, what's your ranking? I was like, I don't even know what that means. So, <laughs> you should have BS'd it and be like, yeah, I'm 12th and 12. I don't know. You could even probably just say Idaho and they'd be impressed. The, uh, yeah, I told some woman at work that I finished third in the race to Roby Creek, and the only reason is because I stopped uh, to help someone. 
and she believed me. <laughs> and those without you in, in, in just listening land, if you looked at me, you would you would have just thrown up. <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't look like a runner. You're in good shape, but you don't look like a runner. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah. He is lying, everyone. I'm not in good shape. I'm like, like <laughs> rounds of shape. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming. And Dude, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for all your fun. I hope this takes off for you, man. I think this will be awesome. Oh, thanks. Appreciate that. Alright, goodbye everybody.